Chapter 11 Mother to Son My beloved son, writing a letter to the dead, although perhaps you aren't yet, is not hard because I can tell you everything now without fear of judgment or condemnation or ridicule. I can say first of all that I am sorry I let go of our closeness when you became a teenager, that I assumed you'd no longer want or need me as you once had, that I shifted from a confidant to a watchdog, keeping track of your movements rather than of you, narrowed my focus to grades and curfews, turned our conversations to chatter, I locked down just when I should have opened up the lines between us. I was following the script of American motherhood and stuck to it as you grew into a young adult. Never again did we talk and play and laugh as we had in your early years. Never more did we speak easily of our love for one another. No, the curse is older, fiercer than an American myth. It's the story that has cast a long shadow over mother and son relationships through the ages, the story of Oedipus, the marriage of mother and son, unwitting and happy till the knowledge of their kinship undid them, translated by later cultures to an unconscious yearning for incestuous union. I abjured intimacy with you and cast you off to save you from a hideous pseudo-prophetic warning created by men to keep us apart. I never feared you nor myself, only the disapproval of others, the societal taunt of mama's boy that has so effectively severed natural ties. In dread of that, I broke the vow I made myself never to sacrifice our relationship to any competing claim, broke it aware that I was doing so, but dismissed the transgression on the grounds that I had been naive to think we could remain as we were, and persuaded myself that you would not have wanted us to would have rebuffed me as a clingy mother who needed to get a life. So I got one without being told, congratulated myself for doing so, and shoved our bond to the periphery. To my relief, others stopped asking me what I would do when you left for college, started your own life, as though it had not always been yours to inhabit. You accepted the distance as you do most buffeting, with unflinching equanimity. I don't know much about you, past thirteen. Photos of you clowning around, a good-looking guy with his friends romping through adolescence. Easy-go-lucky, what-me-worry, water-under-the-bridge kind of guy whom everyone loved. So again, I patted my back for having done the right thing and done it so well. I didn't know you were a writer, as Joaquin now tells me, that you were working on a novel. I was an English major too, but craved the scholarship of the discipline rather than the penning. I didn't know that you have an uncannily green thumb or that you were lonely. Lori and the doctor claim that there is no reason you can't be up and about again, back to yourself, more or less, but that you lack the will. I didn't know the boy I prided myself on raising had died and the man grown in his stead ebbs on the dark side of the moon. I didn't know how much you loved your family till you ran into the house to save your father and the old dog. That was an exceedingly courageous thing to do, my dear son, and I didn't know you were so brave. Well, foolhardy too, perhaps, 
but no more so than your father. He was the only man I would ever have shared my life with, not simply because he loved me, but also because he respected and admired me as a talented woman with a discerning intellect. We dreamed of having a house full of kids, but you so fulfilled us we needed no more. I did know how desperately you hated being here in Trudel's house with her lording it over you and reviling Tiger. I knew how depressed and sick you were, scarred inside and out. But after our years of deep silence beneath the chit-chat, I did not know what to say. And I myself was as near death as I've come, not physically, but spiritually, with Harvey's loss and your terrible wounding. And the house gone, strata of memories that polished the bricks, rubbed the woodwork, burnished the walls, filled bookshelves and photo albums, file drawers and boxes marked Alex Preschool, Alex Hunter Elementary, Alex Special Paintings, and on and on, saved for your children to adore and giggle over. More boxes under the bed with your very finest baby clothes and best books and toys, also for Alex, the next generation. And from our ancestors, too, those treasured keepsakes. What a rhapsodic work, that which is kept for the sake of those whom one does not know yet. Of course, clothes and jewelry, letters, mementos of journeys and more, more things whose presence in the house was not even remembered but whose discovery would have been welcome. So much of my life disappeared in the flames, and so consumed was I with figuring out what was left of me that I did not fully reckon what was left to me. You, you, my beloved son, who should have been my first and foremost concern, you, the sole allegiance my heart owed. Joaquin, Lori. Gregorio, Floyd, the whole crew down there in Trove, whom you've known only a few months, have proved to be truer friends to you than your mother has. Your life-saving cat, Tiger, has proved more loyal than I. Tragically, your best friend from days of yore, Hirsch, perished with so many others in the fire. I knew that during your time of recovery here, but kept it from you to avoid adding to your pain. There are miraculous and excruciating tales to tell from that catastrophe, but they will wait or never need be told if you, too, are lost. I have spoken some of them, much of this, when I've been there, where you lie. I've talked to you for hours, kissed and stroked the ruined flesh of your face, grown a kinship with Lori, the finest nurse anyone could wish, scratched Tiger's ears, and held him, wept belatedly for all you have endured without me, begged your forgiveness. I have sworn that if you gather the strength once more to live, I will be a true, faithful, and devoted mother to the end. Trudel, too, has died, with terrible swiftness, descending from the flu into pneumonia, from whose grip she was not released till it had squeezed from her the final breath. Granted, at ninety-one she was of an age where the heavy tread of time was likely to fall on her. I was with her through those torturous hours in the hospital, and as I sat by helplessly, 
my guilt was redoubled with thoughts about those whose hands I had not held as they departed. Your father, my own parents, obliterated in the plane crash, and I vowed to sit with you through to the end. But as it has not drawn nigh, and may not come for years, mourning prematurely felt ghoulish, predatory. Lori will call should you worsen, likewise if you return to the world. Surprisingly, Trudel had squirreled away a good deal of money, which she left to me, along with the house, worth plenty should I decide to sell it. Right now, I'm inclined to stay. All of her things I did not want have been sold or given away, the house renovated to my taste, and while I no longer feel at home anywhere, this is as good a den as any to hibernate in till I can imagine a path forward. I do not equate my suffering with yours, but our states of unbeing bear an anguished resemblance. Trudel also left me a long letter, twenty-some pages, written for Harvey, to be read when she died, which she expected to do well before him, so as to preserve a record of their family ancestry. He knew some of it, of course, but as it turns out, of his father, few facts and many hushed omissions. I have made a copy for you to read some day. As you will see, hers was a far more thorny and courageous life than you might have imagined after knowing Trudel only as an old woman settled into a fixed, narrow world. At age 11, she was instrumental in her family's escape from Nazi Germany, and decades later, she was the only one to whom your grandfather confessed his complicity in the death of his pregnant girlfriend. The years in between were hardly uneventful. I think you will be greatly surprised to learn about your heritage. Her closing sentences, concerning you, are all I will include. In the known family, we have only Alex to carry the man seed, and you must watch with sharp eyes like an eagle to see he does not go astray. It may be, you should think about it, that the army is right for him where order and discipline will keep him from derangement. I laughed, Alex, reading that last urgent paragraph, as I hope you will, both read and laugh. In any case, you can see her wish that you join the military is an old theme with Trudel and had nothing to do with your condition as you recovered at her house. She did love you, though but it was not to induce laughter that I included the last cautionary excerpt. Never fear, my beloved son, that I will press you to keep the man line going. I expect nothing of you that you yourself do not wish. When I gave you life, it was yours, not to be reclaimed. The closeness I long to reestablish with you is not a subterfuge for redirecting your course, simply understanding it better and sharing it in a supportive way. Having children at this perilous time in humankind's future seems to me an act of stubborn optimism, with which you may or not emerge, regardless of whether those of your age will grow to be old before the time of human habitation on the earth is over. Our end is on the horizon, and we must adjust our expectations accordingly. Carpe diem, seems more an acquiescence to the truth than a rejection of responsibility. 
Perhaps that's just me, a woman whose faith was incinerated and who hopes only for no greater losses in the coming years. Yours above all. Should you reawaken, please come to be with me a while, however long you can tolerate leaving Trove or staying here. If your spirit calls for new adventure, we can travel wherever you like. Visit Rose in Britain. Revisit Germany, though that may be too painful without Harvey. Or somewhere entirely unexpected. I am by no means urging you to live with me, only inviting you to, if you wish. To find you at my door would be pure bliss. Or just call or email me hello, and I will rejoice at your return. In that Langston Hughes poem, Mother to Son, she tells her boy to keep on climbing, not to give up because it's hard. As she knows, since her life ain't been no crystal stair. I cannot compare my world to hers, but I grasp the sentiment, which is, please keep going, Alex, as I have, against my will. To surrender to depression would be so easy, but would, I believe, Dishonor Harvey by my lack of strength and independence, by allowing him to be forgotten sooner than he will be. Hard as it is to see and hear him in my mind daily, the silence of my departure from this realm would negate him. I will not pity myself more than I do him. And that's one last thing I will tell you, who may be dead, that I would otherwise hesitate to do for fear you'd doubt my sanity. Harvey's ghost has come to live with me. Yes, shortly after Trudel's death, I became aware of another presence in the house, and hard though I worked to deny it, inwardly I knew it to be Harvey. Then one night I awoke to three distinct, loud knocks on the door, and when I peeked outside between the curtains, saw no one, but opened up anyway and called out to whoever might be there. I have nothing left to fear, you understand. No response. Several nights later, I saw him, in the corner of the bedroom, unfurling from a whitish spiral. He spoke to me. We conversed, thought to thought. I could not bear for him to leave me, I told him, and he smiled, patted my hand reassuringly. He is not here always, but intermittently. I discover his presence in a plant, a chair, a painting, a lamp, even in the garden. It is like a light wind buoying me from within, this sudden uprush that sweeps my interior. I have been far more deeply at peace since his coming. God, how hard I've tried to subdue my rage at the fire that hewed a merciless swath through our lives. God, how I have missed him. And you, how I miss you, as I see now I have for years. An ache throbbing at the core that I took for the anxiety of aging, but was the loss of true kinship with you. Recalling what my father used to say, life goes on, but love remains, evokes ever wider spheres of meaning for me. I live in the remaining love. Come, my dear son, back, up, here. I wait for you, 
hand extended, to walk the onward lands and engender fresh sediments of memory and possibility. All my love, Mamiya.